What a day. What's the saying? The best is yet to come. Yeah. Best is yet to come. What a day that would be. Sister Belinda, would you please us prepare this morning? Thank you, dear Lord, for this day. Lord, please just be with each and every one of us, Lord. Just be with us through this singing this morning, that devotion, the Sunday school, and preaching, Lord. Just give us all what we send and be done, Lord. I pray that you'll be with us that are on the road traveling, Lord. Just keep them safe, Lord. And have a good time and arrive back home safe, Lord. Yes. I pray that you'll be with Brother Bo. Just help him with his therapy, dear Lord. And just going to get better and better each day. He uses they with those lost, Lord. Touch their hearts, Lord. I pray that they'll come to you, Lord. They won't turn their way. They'll come and accept you into their heart and mind, Lord. Please guide, direct, and all that we do. Thank you for everything you've given us of our sins. Amen. You might be seated. Number 132. 132.
Brother Roger. <laughs> This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Um, good day to be at church. Uh, after hearing about last Sunday's uh, service, uh, it makes me wonder if maybe I'll stay away more often. <laughs> like we had a, a good a good service, a house full of people, and um, I don't think Brother Mitchell for doing what he does back there. He's just kind of a silent jewel in our church. Yes. Uh, you don't ever hear from him. He just back there does what he does. But I was able to, uh, I hadn't listened to all the service last week, but I listened to the Sunday school and was able to hear what Brother Wilson's, uh, Dr. Wilson said. And uh, uh, it was just a pleasure to be able to hear that. And uh, we, uh, we had gone over to Mulberry to uh, our, our grandson, one we've been asking for prayer for. Called us and told us that he was teaching an adult Sunday school class over there. And uh, Elaine asked him, he said, Hunter, have you, have you accepted Jesus? And he said, I have. And he taught that class, this little, well, I say little, he's 6'1", 295. My little grandson, who's been so meek and bashful all his life, was before that crowd and just did a wonderful job. Amen. So we had a blessing where we were at too. And, uh, just uh, a wonderful day over there and was was just tickled to death to hear the service over here too, that it was a good service, had a lot of visitors and people here and um, wonderful report from uh, us trying to help the, uh, <coughs> the uh, effort in Ukraine. So uh, like what Brother Wilson said, uh, Dr. Wilson said, we. You know, he said something about a little boy helping somebody and he said, helping a fish back into the ocean or something. And, and somebody was making fun of him and he said, you know, you're not doing much good there. And he said, I helped that one. I helped that one. So whatever we do helps someone. And, and you know, that's in part of the, the name of our church is uh, missionary. So, so we should reach out to those people and, uh, and help whatever way we can. Uh, God will bless it, uh, little or much. He will bless it. And, uh, you know, as I, I was thinking uh, about today, and uh, thinking about just trying to, you know, live a, a life in this world. And as a Christian, um, sometimes I think we kind of feel like we're in a wasteland sometimes. It's, it's pretty easy to to show your uh, faith and be a Christian in church. And if you've got a Christian family, it's pretty easy there. But um, if you work in the public, sometimes it's a little bit troubling out there. And to see what people do and say and, and just have no regard for uh, decency at all, seems like. And uh, if, you, you know, if you walk up and down the aisles of Walmart eight hours a day like I do sometimes, you, you, just, you just kind of gasp at what you see and hear. Here, I mean, you hear a lot of stuff. It's just, I mean, you wouldn't have heard that anywhere when I was a kid. Now you just, they're just walking down the aisle saying these things. It's just kind of this grown, disheartening sometimes. But um, I was, I saw this thing, uh, I guess on one of the Bible apps I got, and it was talking about um, 
standing in the center of God's will. And, and that actually is not a phrase in the Bible. The center of God's will is not listed in the Bible, but it gives us directions on how to be there anyway. And, um, and, it, and it went on to say that the absolute center of the Bible is the 118th chapter of Psalms. That's the center chapter of the Bible. And the center verse is the 18th chapter. Is the 18th verse of the 118th chapter of Psalms. And that verse says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And as I read that, I thought, well, you know, that's kind of an answer to what I've been thinking about here. Uh, we can trust God and we can trust Him completely and, and fully and know that He has never failed and He never will fail us. But we can pretty much be assured that the world will fail us. Uh, sometime or another, the people out there that we work for, we work with, uh, that we try to serve on a daily basis out there will fail us. But you know, every once in a while, and sometimes it happens two or three times a day, um, when I try to help someone, they say, could you tell me where the rain gauges are? And uh, I said, well, let me just show you. I could tell them they're around there on uh, L18, right past the spray paint and stuff, but I'll let me just show you. And, uh, and they, really, they really like that, especially uh, folks my age really like that. They don't like looking at their phone, they don't like looking at signs in the store, they want to know where it's at. And, and they'll say, have a blessed day. Thank you, have a blessed day. And that, that'll make the day a little easier. You can, you can go from there a little bit further. But, uh, you know, this, I know this is kind of rambling around, but, um, you know, when you compare the, the Christian family at, at home, at church, wherever you are, and you compare the non-Christian family out in the world, um, this verse makes so much sense. And, and, it's, and it seems so fitting that it's right in the center of the Bible. The center verse, um, you, you can look both ways from it. Uh, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Very simple, very simple little verse. But you know, some of the sweetest ones are those little simple ones that, that require no thought. They're just to the point. And, uh, and you know what they say, you know what they mean. And uh, um, sometimes we just need to simplify, I guess, and, and just take that little, that little, that little simple phrase and apply it to our life, and, and things will probably go better for us if we do if we do it in the right manner, if we do it in the right spirit anyway. And um, it's just, uh, I'm just glad to be back today. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, anyone got anything you'd like to say? Uh, I, I know last I heard, Brother Bo's still progressing uh, slowly, but hopefully, Hopefully that'll pick up one of these days and, 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 and take off and go faster. But uh, anyone got any, anything you'd like to say at this time? A good thing or a bad thing that happened to you this week you'd like to share with us? I'm glad to be in the house a little bit this week. Pardon? We just rode up yesterday afternoon just for a minute just to see how the church looked. and. Uh, was real pleased to open the doors like wow that looks really pretty out there and uh, I'm sure when we get all the paint and everything done it's going to really be nice so it just takes a while to make progress I guess on a building like this anyone else
Brother Roger, I went by and visited uh, Brother Norman Tupman the other day and uh, keep him in, uh, in your prayers and, and Martha there, uh, he's, uh, he's getting down close to the last stages of, of cancer. He's still alert and, and uh, uh, can still speak, but he's real weak. And so uh, just please remember him in your prayers. Remember, remember the people trying to do aid in, in Ukraine and all around the world. Ukraine's just the, the hot spot right now. There's places all over the world where uh, there are people trying to uh, help people. And uh, uh, we need to keep, keep all of those in our, in our thoughts and prayers, too. Anyone else? If not, Brother Michael, we will turn it to you and take our Sunday school classes at this time. make it a rule that Bo and Wayne cannot leave on the same Sunday. <laughs> Goodness. It is good to see each one that's here this morning. I believe we're beginning uh, chapter 8, but the, the thought that I've had so much this week that I, that I wanted to mention a minute was how different the earth was after the flood. How many things had... The, well, I guess we could say the consequences of sin and how that the earth had changed forever after the flood. You know, when, when Noah went into the ark and he could pet any animal that he wanted, now when he came off the ark, they were going to be afraid of him. Some of them could even be harmful to man. Uh, I think geographically, obviously we know the weather had changed forever. I think there was a lot more ocean and a lot less land. Uh, you know, I think the earth was a really green place before the flood. But after the flood, there were deserts and barren places and places that there was just ice. And just what a different world it was after the flood than before the flood. And we'll touch on some of those things as we get into it. But we see that, you know, Adam had lost access to the Garden of Eden, and then man had lost access to, what a, to the beautiful, perfect world that God had created. <clears throat> and we even see that man's lifespan rapidly declined after the flood. No longer were folks living 900 years, but uh, more closer to our age. I think part because that protection of the atmosphere was gone. But it, again, man was living in a fallen creation, a fallen world, an imperfect world. Uh, you know, before the flood, those calm seas could now be roaring seas. Uh, storms, you know, man had never seen a severe thunderstorm. Now there were storms. Uh, just a different world, uh, really weather-wise, a more violent world than before. Uh, just again, the, the consequences of sin and the, uh, the fallout 
of what man had done. Anyone word on what we'd covered up until this point? Huh. Well, let's talk about Noah a few minutes. We'll back up one verse to the last verse of chapter 7. It said, And the waters prevailed upon the earth a hundred and fifty days. And I really think uh, that meant everything was underwater for that long. I think it said 15 cubits, the highest mountain was covered, 20 feet of water. And I think it stayed that way for a while. For this uh, 150 days, everything was underwater. And you know, if you look from outer space, that little art would have been just a little tiny dot, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. But yet, look what it held in it. Yeah. Man and everything that moved on the earth was kept safe. But it said, and God remembered Noah. Not like he'd ever forgot him. Uh, I guess uh, another translation would be, and God acted again on Noah's part. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged or started to decline again. I guess this could have been a special wind, but, but I'm not so sure it's not just, just what we see now, the jet streams, the weather patterns, the, uh, the Gulf Stream, the currents, just the earth as we see it now began to take shape as, as the water returned uh, off the face of the earth. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. I couldn't help but think when I read that verse about the, uh, the rain from heaven being restrained. Remember over in Job when he asked, really asked God, he just, why? And God said, I got some questions for you, Job. He said, uh, who tells the sea you can go no further? Uh, who takes care of the little eagle when he's hungry? And I thought about God restraining the rain. Uh, what a powerful God. And just, just how in control he is of things. Did he restrain the rain? He allowed it to fall, but then he stopped it. Uh, way above us. Way above us. And the waters returned from off the earth continually. And at the end of 150 days, the water were abated and the ark rested. I just don't think it crash landed. Do you? I don't think it ran aground. I think it was a pretty soft landing. No, I think that was a good word for it. It rested. It had been on a long, hard journey, but it was time for that ark to rest. And I just think, you know how you just sit down in your favorite chair and you just kind of, oh. I think it may be what the ark did. It's a nice, perfect spot and it just rested. Uh, just amazing that it was up, land, it came down right on top of a mountain. What a coincidence, right? Yeah. Bible must be full of coincidences because there seem to be a lot of them. But the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. And I can't say 100% sure then, but I know now that mountain's about 17,000 feet. So, then again, that's a lot of water. That's a lot of water. 17, that'd be, 
That'd be over two Clingman Domes high. It's getting close to three, wouldn't it, Brother Roger? Yeah. I think it's about 60, 600 feet. Yeah. Right? So not quite three. Yeah. yeah. But if you've ever walked up there, you can feel the difference in the air from the base to the top. Yeah. As far as the level of oxygen, it's, uh, it'll wind you a little bit going up that little steep hill. Yeah. So this has been, uh, it's been over three miles, yeah. that island, or the, the island, the top of the mountain. Listen to me. And the waters decrease continually until the tenth month. Well, let me back up just a second. You know how you've been in a boat a long time and you get off and you're still rocking with the waves a little bit. But, but I wonder how it felt after all this time when the heart was still, when it quit rocking and quit moving. I don't know, I just, just imagine it was quiet. After all the rain and storms, it was quiet. It's a little bit of a strange feeling. I've been deep sea fishing where I was out like 10 hours of continual movement and you know six or eight hours not being able to see land. And, and when you get back into that, that harbor and you step off on the dock, it's like nothing's moving. <laughs> you know, I, could, I have a hard time standing still because I've been adjusted for everything for so long. It is a little strange feeling for that, that initial you know, step out onto solid ground rather than moving floors. But, but the way I read it, they landed, or they rested at, at we'll say 17,000 feet, but to look out, there was still water everywhere at this time. Still just water, water, and more water. But it was going down. But it was going down. And the waters decreased continually in the fifth verse until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. That had to be a really good sight. As the waters slowly, slowly recede. And it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Notice what he didn't open. He didn't open the door. That door that the Lord said the Lord closed. He opened he the window. Close that door. He didn't close it either. Yeah. And he sent forth in verse 7 a raven. Now what would we call a raven here in Alabama? A crow. A crow. Yeah, a crow. I'd wanted to get the crow out of the ark too. <laughs> as soon as I had an opportunity. They were pretty noisy, yeah. But he sent forth a raven. Why did he send a raven? Why did he send a crow, first of all? Ma'am? Vegetation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Crow would be more hardy than a dove. A little tougher, shall we say. But also, uh, what? Oh, you just give me a weird look. Sorry. I have to watch her. She keeps me straight. You know, a crow will, well, let me back up, a little bit gross, but, you know, even at this amount of time, there had to be dead things floating. And a crow would land on something like that. A dove wouldn't. A crow would actually eat carrion. It's not their favorite food. They prefer corn and things like that, but they will eat it in an emergency. So uh, there was logic behind sending the crow out. 
He could fly further, longer, higher. Um, but he sent out the raven, which went, forth, which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Did the crow ever come back? It really, I'm not sure he did. It's almost like he, he just, you know, he could find a place to land, even if it was on something dead. But then in verse 8, he sent a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her feet, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet another seven days. Noah was a patient fellow. I'll have to say, he was a patient fellow. That ark had to be, it was a great big ship, but it had to be getting small if it was me. That boat had to be getting kind of small. But he stayed yet another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. Now, what is that telling us, an olive leaf? Something growing in trees. Or at least the, the animal, the plant kingdom was again taking over. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought a lot about the amount of water, but I never really thought about the amount of sediment and mud that had to be moved during this. You know, you see where, where it comes a flood and the waters leave, and what a mess. And I just think about the amount of sediment that had to have been moved around the world during this time. And, and for the plants to reestablish and start growing again. You know, a plant is not going to establish itself on the top of a mountain. It's going to be down in the lower parts. And I think that's part of the key to this, that that dove found something that was growing lower than 17,000 feet. Yeah. But significant that it found plant life, I think. Yeah. What else was Noah seeing that he'd never seen before at this time? How about clouds? How about clouds? I don't think there was any clouds before now. And he stayed yet another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove. Oh, oh, I've read that, didn't he? Yeah. So Noah knew in the last part of verse 11 that the waters were abated from off the earth, and he stayed yet another seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. Yeah. You know, eat off the ground, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Put bird feeders out. You'll have everything in the world out there, you know, picking the seeds off the feeder. You'll have the doves on the ground picking the ones they drop. So that's significant too that, that there was there was dry ground with food for the doves. And it, does a dove not also eat little fine gravels to help digest it? I think the birds do. I think yeah. 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 Someone else. Well, I just have a question. 
questions aren't allowed. Um, a brother Steve will answer. Yeah. You know, the, uh, or I, maybe this is a, a question in the form of a comment or something, but we, we all have been to school and, and been taught that, that like the Grand Canyon is a product of millions and millions of years of, the, of erosion. And if you go over here to the, the bridge at Cleveland and Wattsville, where they, the old bridge where they've got the park made now, you know, they talk about the valley, that the gorge that the Locust Fork River runs in is a process of, of uh, millions of years of, of erosion. And I read a thing one time um, concerning the Grand Canyon, where a, a group of scientists had done a lot of research. And they'd spent time at the top of the rim, the mid, and all the way down to the bottom. And they said they found serious evidence that the top rim and the bottom rim are about the same age. And that that indicated a catastrophic event at one time may have created the Grand Canyon in its form as it is with one event. Could it have been this? There's a lot of water got away from somewhere, went somewhere. And if you've ever seen, um, well, when I was doing a garden, Seem like every year when I get it tilled up and, and, and planted, we'd have a big rain and what looked like a pretty flat place to me, there would always be a gorge washed right across all of my rows, um, a foot deep, just from a thunderstorm. Could that possibly have been something like that? You know, I'm just asking this. Well, hang on, hang on. Well, as I said before, you know, even in a hurricane, it's not the wind that does the real damage, it's the water. Okay, don't bust. Go ahead. <laughs> Did you talk about plate tectonics? Oh, just a touch, but go ahead. Okay. So, uh, Mount Rainier is um, not in Seattle. You can see it from Seattle. But uh, uh, probably 30, 30 years ago, it erupted. Mount St. Helens? Yeah. Yeah, Mount St. Helens in Oregon. No. Oh, it's not, oh it was Mount St. Helens. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it was a minor eruption, okay, just a minor eruption in one spot, and it created a valley and a river. That's how, how drastically it changed the landscape. So if you think about the fountains of the deep broken up worldwide, and if you're looking at, if you look at a, a map of, uh, I don't know. Uh, faults, faults. Fault lines. Fault lines. Okay. Uh, you know, they, they run down through the Pacific River and then right along the edge of like Japan down and they're in the Atlantic Ocean and uh, California. So if you think about if those, the plate tectonics is the theory that what happens when, when there's volcanoes is those, those plates have broken and they're shifting and that causes earthquakes. But if that is where the fountains of the deep were broken up, and you, and you think about a, 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 an earthquake, I don't know, I guess the only evidence I've seen of earthquakes is when we went to Haiti. It was three months after the, 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 the big earthquake in, in 2010. I mean, the damage that was done was just incredible. And it was just in one little 
spot, this one little pin, pin dot on the map. If it, that happened everywhere, you can imagine then the great, the, the Grand Canyon really would have been nothing compared to other things that happened like, like Mount Everest. You know, if, if everything shifted, if those plates just dove in and drove up mountains and, it, and then it made valleys and canyons, that would have happened during the flood. It was not just rain. It was a massive change in the Earth's crust that, that it was broken up and water came up. Not, not only water from above, but water from beneath the Earth. I get excited when I talk about it. It's really <laughs> <laughs> the more I learn, the more I know that God knows way more than we do. Yeah, true. Yeah, you think God's hand in this. I mean, He made the earth. I mean, you know, it, it's it's kind of hard to imagine that it would. I mean, I don't think it could right enough to, you know, but but God changed the mm -hmm. the earth. I mean, the earth was drastically changed after this. We, we never really used the word, but really the flood was a violent occurrence yes. for the work, for the earth, the planet earth. It was violent. If the water in, is very violent. Yeah. And if, if in fact, and, and I think, I think it's true when, when the, the single land mass was broken up, which I think into those pieces, which we now call plate tectonics, you know, they say that the plates only move so much every year. Well, I think here they may have moved a whole bunch in one year. Yeah, like Australia got way down here. Yeah, so, no, I think this was an incredibly violent time for the earth. Yeah. The mountains of the deep broke up. <laughs> yeah. And you can imagine, too, with that happening, what kind of waves would have been created. 100-foot waves. Yeah, because for the first time, you know, what causes our waves? It's, it's the moon's pull, right? Well, for the first time, I think the Earth is shifted on its axis. So you've got those first times when the moon's gravitational pull is affecting the Earth and the water. Yeah. And that little boat floating, that great big little boat floating. Yeah. Well, what causes tsunamis or earthquakes? in the bed of the ocean, yeah. that shift, and it causes great tsunamis. I think there was tsunamis everywhere, worldwide. Yeah. So while there was a violent, violent occurrence going on outside the ark, those inside the ark God remembered. Yeah. Which I think goes again to the end of time. The end of time for this earth will be a violent, violent time but not for those inside the ark, i.e. inside the church. Yeah. Anyone else? Michael. Ma'am. This tells us about all the things that occurred on the earth when this was going on. It also teaches something else. How long did it take Noah to build the ark? He was very patient with what I told him to How long were they on that ark? And but he was not in a hurry to get off. It was in God's timing. He relied on God to do what needed to be done. And I think that tells us a lot of times we pray for something we want it now, but this teaches us that 
It's not in our time. It's in God's time. So Noah just, he, he was calm. He was relaxed. He did what God told him to do. Mm -hmm. We need to want to do that. Mm -hmm. And I never really thought about it, but, you know, I think God, and God, I think Noah felt a responsibility for those animals. I mean, he'd taken care of them for over a year, and to turn them loose before he knew the land was dry, I mean, some of those animals would have run there and stuck up in the mud and died. So I think he felt a responsibility to make sure it was safe to turn those animals loose, yeah. And his patience is incredible. He had a bit of a, he had a little bit on his shoulders, didn't he? Just just the, the world's animal population, that's all. Yeah. Did Methuselah die in the flood? <laughs> oh. I wouldn't. He died that year. He died the year of the flood. Yeah. I don't think he died in the flood. Yeah, well, I just I was just looking at our yeah. chart here and, and it looks like the flood line of his it is. lifeline is the same. Mm -hmm. but I don't know. Yeah. First, what time? I don't have a watch. I don't have a phone. What time is it? Okay. Thank you. Verse 13, And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, in the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth. And if I could put in parentheses, and I think it looked like it does today. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. I think it's significant that there are such exact dates during this recording of Noah's life. I think it's key to, to, to lend to the fact that, that it really happened. Exact, you know, it says exactly how many days it rained, exactly when they went in, and here exactly when he took the top off to be able to see out in all directions. But he removed the covering ark, and in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the ark of the month, was the earth dried. Now, I've got to ask this question. Had God spoken to Noah since he told him to get into the ark? Don't have an answer to that one. He told him it was going to rain. <coughs> Told him the earth was going to be destroyed. <coughs> told him it was time to get on the ark. And then the next time we see that God spake unto Noah was after he was getting off the ark, isn't it? I don't have an answer to that question, just something I'd thought about this week. Well, if he did, it speaks to Noah's faith, though, don't it, to stick with this and not, not break the plan and go out on his own. Well, I, I believe at this point he probably believed him. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. It, it yeah. His faith. Yeah. What, he's, what he said so long ago, I'm just going to bear with it go. But he, but he gave Noah the assurance here it was okay to let everything out. You know, Noah didn't have to take responsibility for that. Yeah. He knew the land was dry, but I still don't think he'd turned anybody, anything loose yet. But in verse 15, And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thy and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee 
Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle and of every creepy thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. Verse 18, and Noah went forth. God said, it's okay. And all right, everybody out of the boat. Yeah, everybody out. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth, after their kinds went forth out of the ark. Now love this verse. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord. His priority now was thank you and praise to the Lord for seeing him through this for over, a little over a year. 53 weeks is probably the best time frame I saw. Noah wanted to say thank you and to offer a sacrifice to the Lord, Jeff. And he took of every clean beast, and those are the sevens he had, and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on, on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, even though the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, neither will I again spite any more every living thing as I have done, and I think this is significant here, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. It's nice to know the earth's not going to stop spinning, isn't it? <laughs> we sometimes don't think it in the middle of June, but autumn will get here. Yeah. Never, God's basically promising he'll never do anything this drastic again to the earth. Yeah. And I think the fact that her seasons points to the earth being tilted. I don't think there were seasons before the flood. But now there are. As, you, as the earth wobbles and you're closer to the sun, you're further from the sun, um, it's a different... And as I go back, as I wrap up, we'll stop here at the end of this chapter. It was a totally different world that Noah stepped off onto than what he, that he stepped onto as compared to what he stepped off of when he got into the ark. Yeah, totally different world. Anyone else a word? We'll stop here. I had a question. You know, it was a big significance that you talked about when God closed the door. Noah didn't. God closed the door. But here, yes, God told them to get off, but Noah <coughs> removed the cover or whatever. So what is... Is covering. There, is, is there a covering? He went out through the top. Out through the top. <laughs> the door was never. If they if they were ever to find that boat today, the door would still be closed. Okay. Yeah. I never realized that part of it. That's yeah. Beautiful. That door represents what did Christ say? I am the door. Right. Yeah. Okay. That cool. door of opportunity. When it was closed, it was forever closed. Yeah. I picture that door being like a 
swinging down and being like mm -hmm. around. Like what you like seeing pictures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For everything to come up. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I think I think covering. I always take covering being the top. The top. Yeah. yeah. So you didn't go out the same no. door and I just somehow think by just pure coincidence that art landed right against the spot where when you took off the cover and you could just walk right out. Gotcha. Yeah. Just coincidence. Mm -hmm. Just another one. Just another one. Yeah. I don't think he had to haul them out, pull them out. No. Probably didn't have to urge them too much to get out in and did Probably not. That's all the sunlight. Yeah. And I've got another elementary question. Um, of course, you know, and, you know, these last verses, he's promising that he would never flood the earth again, that sort of thing. And now we view a rainbow as God's promise, basically. It's, the question, but is, is the rainbow in here? Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to it. Okay, so the rainbow's coming later. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Not quite there yet. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, he probably didn't want to make it rain the first day they were out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cut them a little slack, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. No one else. I appreciate everyone's help this morning. You